gospel reading is from the book of Mark, the third chapter. The reading is printed on the back of your bulletin, or you can follow along in your pew Bible on page 814. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Our preaching text today comes from the book of Ruth, the first chapter, verses 1 through 17. And you can find it on the back of your bulletin as well as in your pew Bible on page 210. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Machlon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about 10 years, both Mahlon and Hilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. Word of God, word of life. Grace to you and peace from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Families are messy, aren't they? It's one of the things I love the most about Scripture. None of the families are perfect. Abraham and Sarah become parents when they are very, very old. 
Jacob and Esau were intensely competitive, wrestling in the womb from the very beginning. Joseph and his brothers endured jealousy, lies, and estrangement. Cain murders Abel. Mary is pregnant before she is married to Joseph, and Joseph isn't sure that he's going to go through with the marriage. And in Jesus' own words from Mark this morning, Jesus says that those biological ties aren't as important as the spiritual ones. Biblical family values are very complicated, and our story today is no exception. We start with a family escaping famine. Naomi and her husband Elimelech move to Moab because there is a famine in Bethlehem. Bethlehem literally means house of bread, so it is ironic because there is no bread to be found in this city at this time. And they have two sons, Machlon and Hilion, and these are unusual names because if you spoke biblical Hebrew, you would hear that these names actually mean something like Sicky McSickerson and Deathy McDeathface. I, I'm not joking. Like that's <laughs> it quickly becomes apparent what is going to happen to these two sons. And so when the inevitable happens, when Elimelech and Mahlon and Hilion die, Naomi and her daughters-in-law head back to Bethlehem. Naomi had heard a rumor that the Lord had given his people food, and at great risk, she decides to go back to the house of bread. Naomi encourages Orpah and Ruth to return to their homes where their futures might be more secure. They would have a better chance of finding another husband and having children and becoming worthwhile in a society that only valued women for their ability to bear sons. And this is where we hear Ruth's famous speech. Do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. We hear these words often at a wedding, more often than you hear them here in church. And full disclosure, these were the vows at my own wedding. And we choose them because Ruth's words show us an intense love and devotion and commitment. They reflect to us God's loving kindness and faithfulness. They're not an expression of romantic love here between daughter-in-law and mother-in-law, but they are still deeply intimate. They show a depth of relationship. And maybe that's why we like to use them at marriage. And maybe another reason is because by this pledge, Ruth and Naomi create a new non-traditional family in this union of love, loyalty, and ultimately friendship. But it's not as neat and tidy as this ending of our reading today makes it sound, or even like I just made it sound. Because here are the rest of the verses from this chapter. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. 
So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. A brief tangent, if you'll indulge me. On my days off, I indulge in the guilty pleasure of watching terrible reality TV. The Real Housewives franchise being one of my very favorites. And I know. <laughs> it's hard to admit that in front of all of you. But this past week, there was a particularly striking moment in the midst of all the manufactured drama when one of the women started sharing about her mental health. She talked in her individual interview about her depression and how it was affecting her, but that she didn't really like to talk to the other women about it. When she was asked by a producer why she feels the need to put on a happy face and hide what's actually going on, she was hesitant to respond. And eventually she says, because people don't like to be around people who don't make them feel good. Nobody would want to be my friend if I was honest about what I deal with, like all the time. I wouldn't have any friends. And it made me think of Naomi. I think Naomi's reaction is a common one when things are really difficult. When you just need to say, it's really hard right now. I got the short end of the stick. This is not how I planned my life. Things can't be any more desperate. Look at what has happened to me. I've lost my husbands, my sons, or whatever it is. You can fill in the blank. Why would you want to be with me? Why would you want to be my friend? I'm not meant to receive love and grace and blessing. What am I worth? Certainly not worthy of loyalty or of love. And this is where we see God's loving kindness in the midst of this story. Whatever Ruth's circumstances may be, her clinging to her mother-in-law is a gift of grace, even if Naomi cannot see it at first. Naomi says God has turned against her, and she tells the women of Bethlehem, the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me, brought me back empty, dealt harshly with me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. This is Naomi's theology, and it is all that she can see in this moment. The narrator, though, sees things differently, attributing none of Naomi's tragedies to God, not even the famine. It is God who has given the people food. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And as we go through this story in the book of Ruth, the women of Bethlehem will say to Naomi what has been evident all along, that Ruth's love is worth more than seven sons. Grace is walking right beside Naomi, unseen, and refusing to leave her.
This is what Ruth means when she says, where you lodge, I will lodge. On one level, Ruth is, of course, talking about staying in the same place where Naomi is staying. But lodge can also mean to complain and suffer with. Ruth is willing to lodge with Naomi, accepting the hardship of what is to come and will live in the messiness of life with Naomi, sharing in the complaining and the suffering. Ruth doesn't argue with Naomi's perception of events. She doesn't even assert her own. She is just present. She refuses to leave. Ruth will worship the God that Naomi believes abandoned her. And she swears to do what all those other people, Elimelech, Machlon, Hilion, and Orpah couldn't do. She promises to stay. Not even death, the chief resident of their household, will get in her way. And spoiler alert, things turn around for Ruth and Naomi in this story. Through all sorts of plans and schemes and coordinated efforts, Ruth marries a family member of Naomi's named Boaz. The Lord made her conceive and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin. May God's name be renowned in Israel. Your kin shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Yes, that same David who would go on to become king, the one from whom, whose house Jesus is a descendant. That line of grace and love and loyalty and companionship and presence begins right here with Ruth, the one who will sit in the messiness of life with her mother-in-law, accompanying her through the complaining into new life. The Bible dedicates a whole book to this story of David's great-grandmother, Ruth, as if to say her life was no less significant than his. She was a stranger, an outsider, somebody with nothing but the force of her own character, her refusal to walk away from another person's troubles. David was a military hero, a master politician, and a king. There is a form of greatness, suggests the Bible, that has nothing to do with power or fame or renown. It exists in simple deeds of kindness and friendship, generosity and grace. Rarely do they make the news, but they change lives, redeeming some of the pain of the human situation. So when I talk to the kids today about friends who are like family, that's what I was thinking about, about those people who have been Ruth in my own life when I have felt like Naomi. And I wonder about those people in your life, too. For me, it was my youth director, Martha, who, after knowing me for approximately 24 hours, gathered me in her arms and rocked me like I was her own child as I mourned my parents' divorce. My friends, the dance girls from high school, who walked with me and listened to all the complaining of a high schooler, 
and continue to walk with me in this life, although we are spread across the Midwest. And of course, the women I know from Young Clergywomen International, the lady bosses, who spread across North America, manage to meet once a month on video chat to complain and to celebrate and to have important conversations, to walk with each other through the valleys and climb the mountains as well. And as you think about these people in your life, maybe also you're seeing where you might have the opportunity to be like Ruth. Not fixing, not solving problems, but joining someone in the messiness of life and walking with them into something new. I ask this because God has called us all into one big family. We have been made members of God's family by our baptisms. As we walk alongside one another as members of this family, may Ruth's words echo in our hearts as we love one another in word and deed, strengthened by hearing the whisper of God say to us in the actions of those who walk with us, do not push me away, do not deem yourself unworthy, do not think I do not want to be with you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. You are mine. You who are, who you have been, and who you will and can be. God says, I love that person with my whole heart forever and always. Amen. <laughs>